So welcome to another episode of the Shredder Show. Today we have Mr. Akash from RNT. So Akash, I met over in the US in Nashville, who's also another fellow Brit. Now, Akash, I saw absolutely insanely shredded out of his mind uh, earlier in the year, which was having been there, done that. I know that's a very painful process. Um, he also did it using a vegan diet, which is something we're going to talk into. So we're going to go through um, what that looked like, how that process looked, why he transitioned to that. I'm going to go into some other realms of topics from there onwards. So um, thank you very much for your time, Akash, and I appreciate you jumping on. Thanks for having me on, Charlie. Looking forward to diving in. So you got like insanely shredding. It was incredibly impressive. So how much weight did you lose in that period? And what was the period of time? Yeah, so start of the year, I kicked off the diet around 79 kilos. Yeah. Uh, maybe high 78. I typically sit around sort of 77 to 78, 79 when I'm in maintenance mode. So I've been maintaining for quite a while. Uh, by the end of it, the absolute lowest I got to before I started carb loading was 69.2. Okay. And you haven't always been a vegan, correct? No, no, no. So most of my life, I was your typical sort of bodybuilder type lifestyle where you eat a kilo of meat a day. I always thought you have to eat meat in order to get to get the results, right? Um, and 10 years ago, when I first got into all of this, probably 12 years ago now, everything I see, everything I saw was around eat a kilo of meat a day, have meat and nuts for breakfast, all, all these sorts of things. Um, so I just thought you had to eat a bucket load of it. I was getting wild meat shipped in when I was at university, which wasn't good on my bank balance. Um, and then, but I always had this sort of ethical dilemma for the last sort of three, four years. Where I was like, something doesn't sit right about eating this much meat. So I started making a transition down, but I was always worried about whether I could, I could uh, maintain my fitness results because fitness is a high priority for me. I was thinking, well, if I'm going to lose my strength and I'm losing muscle mass that I've spent years and years accumulating, is it really worth it? Um, and then sort of, I, I reduced the meat intake. Then I dropped, um, then I dropped meat and fish about a year ago, but kept eggs in just thinking, oh, I'll keep you know, eggs is, is a staple. Um, and I always thought that'd be a difficult one to swap out. And then, Towards the end of the year, I was thinking, what do I need to do to prove my truth myself that's going to be done? I was like, well, there's nothing more testing for the body than getting absolutely shredded. And that means, you know, striations on your glutes. If I can get striations on my glutes whilst looking better than I had before, then for me, it's a jump well done. I can prove to anyone that you don't need to eat meat to get results. What did your diet look like out of interest? Yeah, so uh, I typically fast in the morning. My first meal comes around 12 o'clock. Is a tofu scramble, avocado, sourdough toast. Uh, so that would replace my eggs. So the only, it was a quite a simple swap. In the afternoon, it was oats, protein powder, uh, dark chocolate, peanut butter, berries, like just the whole, basically an oat bowl, which I've been having for, for years anyway. And then dinner was dinner was tempeh, edamame, spaghetti, rice, veggies, and rice, veggies. Yeah, and, and, and lentils or mung beans. So when you, when you put all that together, literally the plate is so big. And there's so much food volume. And one of the best uh, benefits I found of, of, of eating a plant-based diet was, was literally just the food volume. Like hunger just wasn't a thing on this diet. And for, any, for anyone who sort of wants to be more, more plant-based, one of the benefits is that less is, is being less hungry uh, just because of the food volume, the fiber, et cetera. So that was, a, that was a basic setup. And then after that meal, I'll have another oat bowl in the evening. And I, I'm just one of those creature habits. I just kind of, once I get locked in, I just eat the same thing every day. Did you find it a difficult transition initially to cutting meat out and finding things to eat as a vegan? Well, because I'd only, I was only eating meat once a day, which was in dinner, the only thing I had to change was the dinner initially. So it didn't actually make too much difference. I was, already, I was having chicken, veggies, and rice. All I had to really change was add in tempeh and some edamame spaghetti and take out the chicken. So I was actually getting more bang for my buck. And the reality is, like chicken breast, 
unless you're putting some time and attention into it, isn't the most exciting meal anyway, right? I'm going to disagree with that. And in regards to, <laughs> um, obviously the level of condition you achieved was super impressive. Like, have you got into that condition before? And what are some of like yeah. the big mistakes that maybe you've found along the way getting lean in that process? Yeah, so I've, I've gone into that sort of striation, glute striation uh, condition three times now. Uh, three times in my life, 2017, 2019, and, and this year. 2014, I got sort of shredded, but not, not with my glutes. The biggest mistakes I'd say that I took forward for this time was not overdoing activity. I'd always been sort of of the mindset of more is, more is better in terms of activity, cardio, harder dieting, going into an unnecessarily big calorie deficit just to sort of almost suffer yourself and, and, and punish yourself. Uh, it's similar sort of like, you know, in business where we just think we need to go harder and harder and harder and harder, applying basically the same mentality with this. And I used to pride myself, how much pain can I take? How much suffering can I take? Whereas this time, someone has said to me, more is not better, better is better. And when, I, when he said that to me around like six weeks in, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it differently this time. I'm not going to make changes just for the sake of making changes. I'm not going to do more cardio just for the sake of doing more cardio. So like, for example, in previous preps, I do like daily cardio for 60 minutes. This time, the most I went up to was three times a day. And, and that was just on the rest days. Previous preps, I trained six days a week. This time, the most I did is four days. So it's just very sort of like normal setup, which I look back, I'm like, what was I doing back in the day? Like not only is it a waste of time, but it's just unnecessary torture when you're already putting your body through so much torture. And this is one of the things, and I, I did another podcast before this with a guy called Dan Lawrence, who trains a lot of like professional boxers, like Conor Ben and uh, other people like that. And it's one of the things that people don't understand is that actually overtraining is one of the biggest limiting factors in terms of your progress, because your body becomes so run down, it can't actually perform optimally. And you yeah. end up actually losing muscle tissue and getting weaker. And um, that's where it comes down to understanding like the metrics data. So using things, for example, like a, an aura ring to check your HRV and resting heart rate when you sleep. And then also like your body temperature to see what's going on. And I think, having metrics like that is important but it's also understanding your own human psychology because some people are looking for an excuse not to train whereas some people which is like my opinion is which is what i'm like so if i feel super shit i will look at my aura ring and be like mm, this is probably something you're probably unwell or ill when you shouldn't work out whereas other people almost yeah. they'll they'll feel good look at their aura ring and be like, oh maybe i should train today when you cross the chasm between like lean and shredded sometimes like even what your body sometimes it just needs the things that need to be done just, just to be yeah, done, right, in order to get there. The other thing I think was was a big game changer for me this year, um, and it's a lifestyle change I made last year, was dropping the alarm clock. So for years, I used to be a slave to my alarm clock, always forcing an early wake-up no matter what, just thinking, wake up 15 minutes late, I'm, starting, I'm on my laptop working, you know, just, just having that mindset. And when I dropped the alarm clock for the first time at the start of 2021, I couldn't believe how much my life changed, just from, like, recovery, stress management. And this time, being on prep and not having to worry about the alarm, just meant that my body would get that recovery that you're talking about almost almost naturally because some days I sleep for 10 hours just because my body needed it and that was a real I mean I have the luxury to do so just because I have the flexibility in my lifestyle but I think for anyone who doesn't need to use an alarm clock it can be such a it can be such a lifestyle uh, optimizer to be fair I've gone through phases of that when I was in the UK and I think it I got in the best progress then actually probably more even from building muscle point of view because my body was just recovering so well. Like how, how does that look for you in terms of, do you sometimes worry that you oversleep or do you structure your days to the first few hours? You don't really have anything you necessarily have to do. It's more you want to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, I don't really do meetings before 12 o'clock. 
except for Monday, we have something at 11. Before, apart from that, I don't know any meetings on 12. I try and batch my meetings all on a few days. Most of the time, it's late afternoon. I run out with at 4 p.m. So I know I usually wake up between like 6.15 and 6.45 naturally. And then I don't usually start, I don't plan anything for work till about eight. So I know I've got that sort of buffer time for, for whatever I want to do. And what time of day do you train? Uh, usually in the morning. Um, usually sort of just before breakfast or by breakfast, I mean my first meal, which is 12. Um, but it'll be, it'll be flexible. I'm pretty flexible with it. Do you think that's one of the big mistakes that people make is they're too paranoid about rigidity of like you have oh, to yeah. do thing at X time. I think that's one of the things I find that you learn with experience is the ability to be fluid and roll with a, like roll with it. So I know obviously you were traveling in Bali recently. I spent like three months traveling North America. Like you just have to realize sometimes you're going to have fuck all sleep. You're not going to be eating properly. You might have Mexican belly and a bad stomach from whatever, like shit happens literally. And you're just going to have to get on with it. Um, do you have any advice for people to learn that sort of mentality? Maybe I think you almost, there's almost a journey you go through, right? Because we've probably been through that phase where you're, you're, you're stuck in paralysis by analysis over analyzing every single thing. And you think if you hit the gram, you're going to get better, hit the gram on all your foods, you can get better results. Or you train at 8.37, not 8.35. It's going to make a difference. I think you have to almost go through that to then come out the other side and realize that the more fluid you can be, the better results you are, you get because your stress levels just go down. That's probably one of the biggest things. You don't realize how you're just highly strong on, all, on thinking about these things at all times. Um, and like you said, you just got to roll with the punches. But I almost, I do find that with most people, they have to go through that in order to come out the other side. Yeah, and I think one of the things people need to understand, I think, and as you said, almost against triatic loops, but just things in life, you have to push yourself to the absolute extreme sometimes. So then when you come back to normality, like this is easy. And I remember when I did, um, I competed like three times. I remember every single time being like, this is fucking horrendous. Uh, like, like I remember trying to walk down the street and be like, this is genuinely like difficult because I was so run down and like you would have been there as well. But then when you go back to normal life and you're eating food again, you're like, this is so easy comparatively because it gives you perspective. Well, I think one of the biggest things for crafting your own lifestyle solution where you can stay in shape year round is actually going to the extreme. Because if you don't know what the extreme is, you're not going to know what that sweet spot is for you. You almost have to go further than you potentially want to go to then realize, like you said, like it's, it's so easy, but also what that, what normal feels like in a, in a good way. Like, because on the way down, you think everything's feeling great, everything's feeling great. And when you get to that shredded point, you can start playing these weird mind games. You're like, oh, maybe I should just hang out here year round. Like, maybe I should just be shredded year round. And you start telling yourself these weird things and you, and, you, and you don't realize that all the time you check in if your glutes are still striated. You're like, you know, you, you just get into these weird thought patterns because you're probably not in a normal place. Um, so I think you need to come out the other side safely. Uh, an interesting one. So this is something I had issues with in the past. How do you manage relationships when you get into that point? Because yeah, that's that, a really Because good often one. you can get a bit shitty and like I'm really irritable when I'm hungry and you're probably going to be hungry a lot. So I get super irritable. You need a really, really good spouse and partner. <laughs> like bottom line, like I did a podcast with my wife uh, during like when the depths of like the grind, and I said, look, I think it'd be a really good podcast because so many people struggle to hit their goals in life in any aspect. Anything's an extreme goal, especially with business, physique, marathons, whatever it may be. If you don't have a supportive partner, it can literally make or break it. Like so many people, and I'm sure you're, you're the same. Where you hear the reason why they aren't getting results because their partner's giving them shit all the time. And I think having a really open and honest, frank conversation with your partner and say, look, this is why I want to do it. This is why it's important to me. I need your support to, to make it happen. 
and appreciate there's going to be a level of sacrifice involved. I may be irritable. We may not be able to go out all the time that we used to. We may need to make a few changes, but it really means a lot to me. And you know, you maybe make sure there's a reward on the other side. So for me, it was like, right, we're going to go to we're going to, go to America. Then we've got five weeks in Bali. So I was like, if you can just hang on to Bali, we're, we're, it's going to be okay. But I think having that open, honest conversation, which is which can be scary for a lot of people, is, is going to be key. And one thing we do every week, and I don't know if this is valuable, we do like a relationship weekly check-in um, where we ask each other four things. And the first one is like, give each other three appreciations for one another on three things that we've done in the week, no matter how small they are. The second thing is to sort of rattle off the to-dos that we have to do, like the admin stuff that no one wants to talk about. Third is like plan for good times. Like what are you going to plan to do in your week? Because, and even if you're like dieting hard, you can still do something that's nice. Maybe it's like checking out a new coffee shop. Maybe it's going for a walk in the park or whatever it may be. The fourth one, this is the big one that no one wants to talk about is the opportunities to improve. So this is where you like, you let, you take the rug off and, and you sort of see what's underneath and you have that frank conversation that for many people who might be struggling with this, this sort of stuff is, is where you say, all right, what do you need help with? Whatever fucked up, where, where can I be better? Uh, and then the last one to finish on a high is like, what's your wins for the week? And we do this every single Saturday. And it's like our sort of relationship check-in that anchors our week, but also gives us an opportunity to have a forum, open forum, safe space to talk about all the issues that might be going on. And what you'll find at the end of it is you wipe the slate clean and you move forward in your week. And I think if anyone who's, who's maybe struggling with that the battle of, of they've got a spouse who's not supporting the transformation, implementing something like that can be a game changer. How long have you been doing that from and where did you get that from first? I uh, got it, started doing it mid-2019 and it was from a friend of mine who, who said he'd been doing it for, for a while. I don't know where he got it from. He sent me that and I adapted it slightly. We added a few things. And one thing we actually added recently was uh, we call it the R&T checking because she works in the business as well. She's been working in the business for the last eight months. So we have that space, like, how's it going? <laughs> Is it working well? Um, just, to, just to be open and honest about it. And the opportunities to improve section used to be used to be called like areas where you're not doing well or something like that. We thought we'd put a spin on it and call it opportunities to improve. But yeah, it's been a game changer. Like, we're doing it three years now. We've got a dedicated journal for it. that We, go, we have a routine around it, go to a coffee shop. Um, and it's a, it's a safe space to talk about the relationship. I think that's a smart thing because I think the fundamental reason relationships fail is because of communication. And actually, interestingly, I read a book last week when a Tony Robbins was, I think it was the one Awakening the Power Within or something, talking yeah. about like um, the 10 values that are most important to you in a relationship where you want from your partner. So like you ask them to write down what your 10 are and then you write down what your 10 are and then you can understand what the other person wants. And like, if interestingly, you this is why it clicked in my head, as you mentioned about like support. So number one thing that I want from a partner is support because like, as you know, like as a business owner, entrepreneur and doing loads of other stuff, there's a lot of pressure on you. And sometimes you just need like support. And that's the big thing that I crave in a relationship more than anything else. And it's also then, so then they understand like, that's what you want more of. And then you can also understand what's important to them. And then, you know, okay, this is where I actually need to focus in terms of helping a relationship. One thing that there's also just, just to add to that is the five love languages. I don't know if you've done that test. No. But if you've not done that, understanding what your love languages are will really help you tune into what you need from a relationship. So do this with, do this with your missus after. Um, it's like a quick test you can do. There's a book on it as well. You'd love, you'd love the book because it's, it applies to like team as well because everyone's got love languages like acts of service, quality time, gifts, physical touch, and words of affirmation. Those are the five different love languages and everyone's got a dominant one. And when you know what your dominant one is, you know what your partner's dominant one is, you can just tune into that. 
So luckily for us, both of our top ones are quality time. So we know we just need like quality conversation structured into our week or it's quality time where it's, there's no distractions. And I know my second one, which ranks very closely is active service. So I love it. Like when, you know, like oh, she might've cooked my dinner because I'm running late in meetings and that sort of stuff just goes a long way for me. Whereas the gifts don't mean anything. If someone gives me a gift, which is that I don't really care. Like I'd rather, I'd rather not give me the gift than, uh, than that. So knowing your love languages can really tune in well to knowing your baddies as well. Charlie and Akash fixing dating problems 2022. Yeah. That went <laughs> off tangent. But um, it, it is nonetheless important because I would say like one of the things I see is the biggest issue with uh, clients and we see they have results is the fact that one, um, say Mr. Relationship starts dropping a lot of weight, starts looking great. It then makes his partner feel uh, insecure and insignificant. And the way I explain to this to people is like the bigger the mountain, the bigger the shadow you cast. So even some respects like, me as a person, I'm very difficult to manage in a relationship because I'm just that way inclined that I have a lot going on and have a bit of a weird lifestyle and I maybe cast a big shadow. And then it's the same thing when people make a big leap forward in their life, people will change. And the problem is why a lot of relationships break down is because people can't necessarily keep up or your values aren't necessarily aligned, which is again, why it comes back to what we were both saying. Well, it's like relationships and not just in like, romantic ones but also just friendships as well and you'll find that you've probably noticed this as well as you as your business has grown as you've just sort of leveled up mentally that there's certain people in your life just sort of drift away and there's nothing that's even happened it's just that your growth trajectory is much faster and you have different people for different like seasons and phases of your life and this is an interesting thing as well i think people need to think about it's like you don't really own anything in life. You, like you have a tenure for things like the house you own, you're not going to own it for the next 30 years. You end up moving somewhere or you're eventually going to die. Like you only look after things for a set period of time and like your body's included within that, which is why it's one of those things that's important to really look after. Yeah, that's very powerful. That's very powerful. That's why I like to say the physical is the vehicle. All we're doing really is just the, the body just carrying the soul through, the, through this lifetime. Well, I think my favorite thing about it is like, the way you physically look, you cannot buy. Like there's like everyone has massive respect for someone who's in great shape because you like, like you and me both know, and that's like you get super lean. It's like that's a fucking ball ache. That just doesn't just happen by chance. Like that's a lot of work, and people don't understand that. And I think um, that that's one of the beauty because it's probably one of the only things you can't buy in life. Well, the body's a representation of the mind, right? It's the ultimate scorecard. And if and if if you suddenly lose control of your body where you gain a lot of weight it's no surprise that you've probably got a lot of stuff going on in your head or your life that you've lost control of and, and your body reflects it. 100%. Now, coming back to more fitness topics before going into relationship <laughs> stuff, um, in regards to vegan diets, is there anything you would suggest people try and steer clear of if it's something they wanted to try? I'm not really a big fan of the whole mock meat process stuff. I think Great. I'm not too sold on it. I think this, firstly, I think it's too early on to know what's going on, but also I just don't know if, if it's good to like to be eating that sort of stuff, but there's so many ingredients. I'm, I'm just not big. I'm just not sold on that. I think that should be just once in a, like you go out to a restaurant every now and then it should be that sort of thing you have rather than a daily staple, which I've seen a lot of people use. Like they constantly, they basically go from meat eating to a plant-based diet. And all they do is replace chicken with mock chicken steak with mock steak. I don't think I, I, I'm not sold on that. I think it, it defeats the purpose in a lot of degrees. I think like, it doesn't really hit the hit the nail on the head. When it comes to um, people seeing results with vegan diets, what do you think is the biggest mistake people make? I think one of the big ones I think I see is people don't remember that 
the big driver, particularly if your goal is fat loss, is it's calories in, calories out, it's energy balance. And they think, oh, like avocados and nut butter, this is super healthy and like healthy fat. So they have a shit ton of it. And like, but they don't realize they're eating 1500 calories with avocado and toast. Yeah, just because it's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. Hmm. I think that's, it's, I saw, um, I was standing outside a restaurant the other day and two people were walking past me and they're looking at their phone and it goes, oh yeah, this, this restaurant we're going to walk into is plant-based. It must be really healthy. I just turned to my wife and thought, it's just, this is the problem. And now that there's so much, so much more accessibility around vegan food, there's more vegan junk food as well. I think that's one of the reasons why vegans in particular in the last few years have started gaining a lot of weight. You know, before you used to always think of vegans as skinny people, right? Like skinny people, no muscle. Now like vegan obesity, I don't know if that's a word, but it's on the rise because now there's so much accessibility of just shit food. Um, and couple that with a complete lack of education. You just there's there's a big health crisis there that even though they may have good intentions with ethics and environment and all that they're forgetting probably one of the most important things like their own health what what can people do to try and avoid those sort of foods is there something you look at in terms of steering clear of in terms of what when you go to sort of yeah junk so food? like what would be examples yeah. of like junk food or vegan foods that people might think are healthy well it's just thinking like oh yeah just because it's a beyond burger it's healthier than a, a normal burger that sort of mindset just needs to change and you probably see, I don't know what the scene is like in Dubai, but that's definitely growing around here. It's like, oh yeah, it's vegan. They've got vegan fried chicken around the road now. I think it doesn't make it more healthy than KFC. It's the same thing. It's probably, in many cases, actually more calories. So this, this is one of my big arguments with like, I'm all up for people for vegan diets from a moral standpoint, I thousand percent agree with, but like people will often spin data in terms of case studies of vegan diets improving people's health. But they'll use the example of people, for example, where they're taking, they're eating KFC, they remove the KFC, they put them on like a vegan diet, they start eating plant like vegetables, and people get healthier. And it's like, no shit. Like, obviously, people are going to get healthier, they start eating fruit and vegetables. But I think, again, it, it tends to the context of what that overall food groups are people are consuming. Like, people can eat uh, more of a meat based diet and still have a very healthy lifestyle, providing they eat the right things. So I think that's a people, important for people to understand. And if you look at your diet, if you look at most, even if you eat meat, a healthy diet is probably predominantly plant-based, right? Yeah. And you probably have a bit of meat to, to support whatever you're using it for, but it's predominantly plant-based. Right? You're having lots of vegetables, lots of fruits, lots of whole grains, and then you just happen to have meat or fish. Yeah, and you're just swapping out that protein source for an ethical exactly. point of view, which exactly. I think, if that's your choice, I think that's... Um, that's when it's done right. Yeah, that's yeah. when it's done right. And that's when, if, if more people did it that way, then great. But the problem is that they're not doing it that way. 100%. Now, an interesting topic, obviously you got super lean and I see a position that like I spoke on your podcast about this, basically in terms of how people lose weight and they regain weight by basically when you lose weight and um, what actually happens is your fat cells shrink. This reduces the release of a hormone called leptin, actually slows your basal metabolic rate down, also increases um, hunger levels, which is basically your, something to do with body set point theory of body's trying to get back to the way it was before. Do you have any recommendations for people when they get super lean in terms of how not to balloon up in weight? Because you and me will have both seen this countless times where someone's getting shredded to go to Dubai or wherever, and then they come back a week later and they put on 10 kilos. Yeah, the first thing is just understanding that once you get in shape, that's when the hard work begins. If you can take that mindset of, yeah, okay, I'm going to get I'll get to Dubai, but the reality is I'm going to put in the work to stay there. That can solve a lot of the problems because a lot of people just don't have a game plan. I know we both build in like a proper game plan after someone gets into shape where we have specific phases to help people safely come out of that. But you'd be surprised by how few actually have a, a game plan in, in the first place. I remember in 2014, when I first competed in bodybuilding, the, the coach I was working with, they, they helped me get into great shape. 
13 days later, sorry, four, four days later, I went to an all-inclusive. Seven days later, I was seven kilos heavier. And then six weeks later, I was a total of 13 kilos heavier. And I was, I was heavier than what I spent 17 weeks dieting down to get into. And that was my first experience of like, the rebound. And it took me a year to get out of that constant cycle of like yo-yoing, binging, doing extra cardio. And I was like, when that happened to me, I was like, I don't want anyone else to experience this because it's horrible. How did that make you feel at the time? In all honesty, like in a really bad place. Like I was in, I was in, I, I feel like I, looking back, I felt like I had a borderline eating disorder off the back of that. Cause I'd go through like binges because I had no idea what to expect. You know, I was in that bodybuilding sort of arena of like, yeah, just soak it up, water, water, you just water, it's the best time to rebound and build muscle. So I was like, screw it. But the few things I look back and I did wrong, I stopped taking pictures. I stopped weighing myself. So I, I weighed myself seven, seven days after and I was seven kilos up. After that, I stopped weighing myself. I was like, nah, I don't need to look at the scale. When I looked at it six weeks later, I was 13 kilos up. So I stopped weighing myself, stopped taking pictures. I basically stopped any sort of accountability. And I just went into denial mode thinking, yeah, it's just, I'm just focusing on performance now, getting strong, getting big. The reality was I was completely out of control. I was frequently in dessert lounges all the time. In fact, before this was before RNT or anything. I always had an entrepreneurial itch. And just hadn't found the thing for me. And I was in so many different dessert lounges. I remember sitting there with my mom one day and I was like, what do you think the commercials are like on these, one of these places? Like, they look like they're doing pretty good, they're doing pretty good revenue and it's good footfall. So I started creating a business plan around uh, Lulu's dessert lounge. And it was going to be like, you create like a subway thing, like create your own dessert lounge back in 2014. And I nearly signed a lease on it. And I was like, and almost did it just before that. I was like thinking to myself, how can I be a personal trainer in the day? And Moonlight is a design dessert lounge owner. So I didn't do it, luckily. But that's how that's how messed up my head was, if you could tell. Like I was literally just on the verge of, all, of opening the dessert lounge just because of the space I was in. And the mistakes I've learned from that is always have a plan. Or if you're going to diet in the next 12 weeks, almost add like another six weeks just to, to recover safely and factor that into your game plan. Because if you just think of that deadline as a deadline, you're setting yourself up for failure. You've got to start thinking of it as a checkpoint because this is the checkpoint in your journey not the end of it. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the big thing that I would take from that is you not um, weighing yourself and not taking photos. So I think I see that a lot where people just stick their head in the sand and then they just don't want to deal with the problem. Um, and I see the same people with like, oh, I'm bulking or I'm powerlifter. I was like, dude, you're a powerlifter, but I'm way stronger than you and I'm leaner than you. So like, what the fuck are you actually doing? You're just really fat. Like uh, people yeah. try and use things as an excuse, whereas like reality is you need to just take accountability and have some self-respect for yourself. And like, it's only until you hit rock bottom, you're like, shit, I put on 13 kilos. I need to deal with this that you suddenly then learn. And like pain is knowledge really fast. Like people, you learn from that mistake. I've learned from the mistake. I got up to 108 kilos once bulking and I just got super fat. Like it wasn't a good look. Um, and once you've been there and done it, you know how to not do it again and how to teach people not to do the same thing again. Funny thing is, before this whole that whole competition, I used to never really have a problem with like staying leaning around. And then I realized, like after this thirteen kilos, I was like, why do I just store more body fat? I just feel like I have like I'm just my set point. You know, we talking about you were talking about the set point yeah. on my podcast. Like, why do I just have like a higher set point these days? And I honestly feel like I, I gained fat cells. You know, you know, yeah. fat cells can only you only get new ones, right? And I honestly feel like I gained loads of new fat cells. Then you can never lose them, right? Uh, so that's uh, interesting this is a fascinating thing i think i said this on your podcast the, the factor of how it actually works in terms of people um with fat cells so if you're if you get like say what you get super lean you go nuts on an all-inclusive 
your body can only store so much in fat cells so quickly. When you get to the point where you've got your body can't actually get more energy into the fat cells, the fat cells can't grow any quicker. You get what's called hyperplasia, where it actually creates new fat cells, which you can actually then never get rid of. So if you go into this yo-yo cycle of losing weight, gaining weight, every time you do that, like you just got said then, it then actually becomes more difficult to lose weight and you're more prone to gain more weight, which is why people often say that, oh, I'm getting older, I can't lose weight. It's not necessarily your hormones. It's the fact that you're yo-yo dieting and you're gaining fat cells as you get older. Yeah, one thing I did that that's helped in 2017, 19, and 2022 was I actually tried to get ready a bit early compared to when I want, when I needed to get ready for, and that way I almost sort of reversed into into the um, the deadline. Not that it had anything magical, but what it did is it just it allowed me to sort of come out the other side on already good calories. And you'd be surprised once you're on, when you're really lean, you can actually handle a decent amount of calories when you come out of calorie deficit. That can actually help once you get your head around it. And obviously the leaner you are, the more that can sort of be accentuated. That's always helped me in the last few years because then it's not a shock factor or a long reverse. It's almost like I come out of it and I'm already maintenance calories. That's helped me a lot. But I think that only works if you get really shredded. Yeah, when, when you're really lean, your body's super receptive. But you get to the point where you're like, you're 12% body fat and then you try and do it, it makes no difference. Like <laughs> you, have, you have to be super lean and then your body will be like a sponge and wants the food. Like I, I would say for most people, like even myself, I would probably jump my calories 30% maybe at that point, straight out the yeah. gate. Um, just carbs and mainly carbs, probably and some extra fats. And I would see no difference in body weight, uh, body fat. And then the biggest thing really, if you get really shredded, it just is accepting that you will have to gain some body fat and just being okay that that's actually completely normal. It's normal to gain some body fat over time and it's actually healthier. But again, only if you're super shredded, not if you're just, you know, just 12%. Sort of yeah, yeah, 12%. And, and that's where it depends on that, I think. Um, when, it, when it comes to getting really, really lean, which obviously you've done recently, what would you say is the biggest challenge people come across? I'd say probably not giving themselves enough time to get really, really lean. Because what you don't want to do is go too aggressive that your strength starts plummeting. Uh, yeah, you, it's that excess, excess suffering for no reason. I think if you give yourself enough time, you can sort of, because as you get leaner and leaner, you don't want to lose as quickly as, as you were earlier on in the process. And I think the biggest thing is time. Like when I got to like 69.2, which I never got to before, I was like, oh, I could have probably, if I had an extra two weeks, but I couldn't because of Nashville, probably would have seen, been good to see what 68.5 looked like. But if I dropped my food even further, getting down to 68.5 would have probably sacrificed a lot of muscle. How, how, what were your calories down to? I know it was retardedly low. Like right at the end, it's probably about 13.50. Yeah. That's, that's, not that's the other thing, by the way, is, is, is uh, the reason why people don't get as lean as they, they want to get lean is because they don't, they don't actually go through that hell of like, you're going to have to drop your calories at some point. Like, I know there's a big thing around like, oh, you shouldn't go low calories and, and all these but, things. But, but you really have to. And I also think it's relative to your body weight. So like, for example, I probably like 25 kilos heavier than you 30. Kilos. Like, I, I can, I will be able to diet on some more food, but even I, I have to go down to maybe like, to get stage lean, I was like 2000, which for me was very, very low. I know it's a lot more 1300, but yeah. like to get fucking super lean, I think that's one of those things that for general population, people who are like less athletic and um, less active, you are going to have to go even lower than that. A lot of people are surprised by that. Well, most people overestimate how much muscle they, have, they have and underestimate how much body fat they have. And even and I do I, that. Like I'm like, yeah. oh, I just dropped like a couple of kilos and I've dropped like six. I'm like, shit, there's still loads to go. And Another thing, especially guys suffer this, is like stigma around the scale weight. Yeah. So be like, oh yeah, I don't want to drop below 200 or I don't want to drop below 180. 
So it's all these like random numbers they got in their head. And you probably have the same, right? It's like, we all have these numbers. And if you can get over that and just focus on the look, that will help you get to most of your, get to where you want to get to. And people often ask, why did like movie stars look super like jacked? They aren't actually that big. If you look at their body weights, most of them are pretty small. It's just, they're insanely lean. So if you want to look like a fucking action hero, get super shredded and you look way bigger. Yeah, you see my pictures, you think I'm like 200 pounds. <laughs> you don't realize I'm like 158 or something like that. Well, yeah, uh, that's fine. That's a prime example. Um, this, this was super, super helpful, Akash. So any lasting comments you recommend to anyone in terms of, say, like, I think the biggest issue people have is in terms of diet adherence when it comes to fat loss. What would be your three biggest takeaway points people would um, utilize can maybe take away from this? For adherence, I think, uh, you know, if you're busy and you're juggling multiple things, I think limiting decision fatigue can be really useful. If you, um, by that, you know, you only have so many decisions you can make, quality decisions. If you can automate at least 80% of your meals in the week, it'll save you so much thinking, oh, should I have chicken or should I have turkey? Uh, save your variety for your dinners and your evenings, sorry, and your weekends, and just keep most of your week uh, on autopilot so you can just get on with your, uh, get on with the day and not worrying about different foods. I think that can help a lot of busy people. The second thing is to find the strategy that works for you. So for example, if you like bigger dinners and you like saving your calories for the evening, fasting in the morning may be a useful strategy and then you can light in the day. That's something I like doing because I like having bigger dinners and, you know, having 15, 2000 calories at the end of the day, rather than sort of eating a little bit all throughout the day. And then the third thing is just understand that both of us, you yourself and um, me and Charlie have been doing this for over 10 years, right? It takes 10 years to get to a lifestyle. It takes a long time to get to a lifestyle solution. It takes a long time to build a physique you want. You can get lean. Anyone can get lean in the next 12, 20, 24 weeks or whatever your starting point is, but to build a physique that you're happy with is going to take multiple cycles of building and, and leaning down, building and leaning down. And if you're ready to play that long game, then there's so many rewards that you're going to reap along the way, but you've got to be willing to apply that consistency over years because then you can really benefit from all the, um, your benefit from everything you get from this physical transformation. One thing I said that's consistency compounds over time. And that's the one thing that everyone needs to think about because it's just going to stack on top of each other, stack on top of each other, whether that yeah. be your fitness, business, whatever you do. So um, thank you so much for your time, Akash. Where can people find out more about you and also check out your podcast, which I was on recently? Yeah, so the podcast is RNT Fitness Radio. Uh, so Charlie was on one of the recent episodes. You can check out my work on rntfitness.com uh, on Instagram at, at Akash Vigella, uh, on most platforms. Awesome. I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast episode. Make sure you leave us five stars, review and the subscribe. And we'll see you in the next episode very, very soon.